Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Well, for the fifth or sixth day in a row, are we going to talk about Fields or Dalton, Laser or Nagy calling plays? I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Something go on this week at Hallis Hall? No, actually, n- actually, nothing's gone on at well, Hallis Hall. Well, a lot of nothing. A lot well, of a lot of talk and word salad and all that oh, kind of it, stuff. It, 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 Hall of Fame word, word salad. He yeah. stepped up his word salad game. If he can step up the offensive play calling like yeah. he did his word salad game, uh-huh. you got playoff tickets to sell. It's amazing. I mean, um, you know, and and thank goodness it's a team like Detroit because well, even though. I mean, Detroit's actually played fairly well in a couple of games. Um, and for what six yard field goal beat them last uh, week at the know. second, you know, at the end of the game against Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, and and from what I see, and I didn't see it, but everybody said that there should have been a delay of game there, which would have pushed him back five yards. There's no way he's kicking a seventy one yarder. The sixty six yarder bounced barely. off the crossbar. Hey, yeah, longest in NFL history. Yeah. So give him props. Uh, let's rewind it. I mean, our buddy Cap. Right out of the box on the uh, uh, NBC Sports uh, post game uh-huh. with Olin and those immediately calls for the firing and he's got you know Patton being the head coach and he's got the whole scenario down you know again the Bears have never fired a coach in season no no and then the the Bears blog has a scoop that if if they lose tomorrow to the Lions Nagy's out you know uh, McCaskies will do un, un- McCaskey like things and fire a coach in season. I mean, think about that. If if this truly is a winner else game for Matt Nagy, you know what the hell's going on in Hallis Hall? Yeah. Because you should wake up and roll out of bed and beat this team. Even Matt Nagy's done it. I mean, look at the numbers Matt Nagy's offense has put up against the Wolf Alliance. Yeah. Since he's been the head coach of the Bears, so this is really no litmus test. It's so not. If he, if he wins and the, if the Bears win and win convincingly, even though they're only a three-point favorite, you were supposed to do that. You're at home and on top of everything else. If you lose, it just reinforces what everyone thinks anyway, right? Sure, sure. Unless the defense falls apart and the offense actually looks good, I don't. Yeah. But this is a week, Fred. You've been around this thing forever, so by. I mean, I saw comparisons to Mark Tressman, and right. I, I mean, I don't know that Mark. Mark Tressman was in over his head. And the inmates were kind of running the asylum. They they kind of walked all over the coach. But it, it seemed like he had more of a grasp on play calling and things that uh, compared to what we're seeing with Matt Nagy under siege. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt. And could, could there have been a better week maybe for the Bears to have the announcement that they got they won the bid for Arlington <laughs> Heights? Because I mean, it, it took some it took some of the discussion away. From yeah. from everything else, just a little bit from and some t- of the until people. We, t- until we found out it's a game time decision for the quarterbacks, and I'm not telling you who the play caller is, which in fact tells you who the play caller is. You would because think, if, right? If if he's keeping the play calling, he would be up there beating his chest, saying, "I'll, I'll get I'll get this right. It's on me." Yeah, he's not calling the plays tomorrow. Um, but yeah, the the whole Arlington Heights thing. I mean, before like two days before that announcement, it was it had to be on Monday. I tweeted out, "Can they get their deposit back on Arlington Park because <laughs> they won't need the increased capacity even no. six years from now." No, the way things are going, uh, just bizarre in every way, shape, and form. And, yeah. uh, but hey, they're in the bunker. We're in this together. We care. They care. The players care. I asked them what they think. You know, I love that 
uh, how many times you heard coach, this is not a democracy. And then he's asked to the offense, right? Hey, what do you guys think? Got any ideas? And Nick Foles, you know, he's got some thoughts, but Justin Fields said, I just kind of sat there and Cole commit. Hey, how can you use me? How about call him? Uh, right. Give me a few targets. Yeah. I mean that, that, oof. And and they're Slippery all slope. right. And you know the, the week after they say we need to use the tight ends more, they gave them I think four targets. Oh, for and love three it. of them were Komet, and I think one was to uh, and, and Jesse James. We still have not seen yet. Um, no. Who actually we saw in, in preseason? He came over from Pittsburgh, a team that actually had a winning tradition. Maybe he knows a little bit about winning games. Um, that would be nice. If you want to talk about it, three one two three three two three seven seven six. There's a lot to discuss as with that, but it's weird because from immediately after the post game, um, Justin Fields said, "Well, I didn't get it over here right away. I had to have my hand looked at." And they asked him how he goes, "My hand's fine. There's no problem." Yeah. And then he had it done again, and all week long, they say, "Well, we'll see how his hand is." He said after the game, his hand was fine, unless he was pulling the old. You know, don't ever tell anybody what your injuries are and things like Upper that. Upper body, lower body. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, that, by the way, that starts next week. Both. That starts yeah. next week. The <laughs> hockey show is back next week, 10 o'clock on Saturdays. The Blackhawks, Blackhawks, one and one in the preseason so far, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. 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 We're all, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It, see, a, a hand can be upper body or lower body, depending if you're just the hand <laughs> right. by your side. Is it up here scratching your head? Yeah, no, it could be. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. So they play the Lions, and the Lions have been, like you said, they lose last week um, with the sixty-six yard field goal as time ran out in the first game of the year this year. They were down big to the Niners. I want to say by seventeen, eighteen. No, it had to be more than that. And they scored two touchdowns in like the last two minutes. To make it, yeah, yeah, to make it to make it close, make it interesting, make it exciting in Detroit. Um, but yeah, they're a team that the the Bears have had their number. Mitch Trubisky was able to pass well against them. Uh, the Nagy offenses ran well against them, and I know that in Detroit they are always changing. I mean, every single couple of years there's a new coach and things like that. But um, this is a game that one of the one of the poll questions we have out there today is. If you were down to your last dollar, and after Manchester United drew against uh, Everton, I might oh, be no. down to my last dollar. Um, it, it sucks when you have a three-team parlay and you take Man U and they lose the first game of the day. And it's like, Whoa. okay, well, the other games wow. are wasted. Who, who saw that coming? Yeah, well, I guess some people, but you know, you have to be from England or something. I don't know. So anyway, if you're down to your last dollar, which would you bet? Bears beating the Lions or the White Sox beating the Astros in the American League Division Series next week? I know without a doubt where my money's going. We're going to talk some White Sox before we're out of here. We're here till hey, eleven. Home field? Can we get? Can we get home field? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, in, in the whole month of September, before this five-game winning streak, their longest win streak was two. That's why you didn't win home. F- that's why you're not going to get home field. Right. I mean, two. You lose two out of three to the Royals, the A's, the Angels, and the Tigers. I mean, okay. So uh, maybe it's just me and a White Sox fan that you're, you know, no, you don't I mean, get your hopes this, up too high. You know, that's this White Sox team. And, yeah. You know, we've been talking about it forever. Which one's showing up? And I know Jerry Bryant's in anything can happen. Well, true, especially when your team's as inconsistent as this White Sox team. You don't know if it's going to be the team scoring runs. You, right. You assume the starting pitching is okay, but you don't even know who the third game starter is at this point. I guess, you know, Tony La Russa, 
even though Carlos Rodon threw five uh, good innings on Wednesday, he didn't sound like he sounds pessimistic when yeah. it comes to, to Rodon being part of this thing. Well, you know what, though? Everybody's talking about his velocity being only 92. Um, I think it was 92.6, 92.7, whatever yeah. it was. But it's funny because we we talk so much about one of the best pitchers we ever saw in our lifetime now is Greg Maddox. And Greg Maddox always said, you know, one of the best pitches is a well-placed fastball. And mm-hmm. if, you know, Carlos Rodon at 92 can place his fastball and throw his slider in there, you can pitch in big games. It's been proven you don't have to throw 95, 98, 99 miles an hour to win games. You can throw less than that. And everybody's making such a big deal about his velocity. Now, I understand because he was throwing 96, 97 earlier yeah, this that's year. that's not who he is, right? right? I mean, right. That, 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 again, and you've had the shoulder issue. And a couple times a season, and it's fatigue, it's whatever, however they've described it. Um, obviously, when you see that kind of decrease in velocity, something something is going on. Yeah. Um, and if you could get the Greg Maddox two inches off the plate called as a strike, it would probably help, too. You're right. You're right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So we'll talk Bears and we'll talk White Sox. We're here till 11 o'clock. Then it is Chicago's College Tailgate coming in at 11 o'clock. We've got White Sox weekly later on today. The White Sox play at 6 o'clock. Don't forget tomorrow, the White Sox play at 2.10 because they try to get everybody to play uh, at the same time. So there's no, you know. So everyone, yeah, everyone yeah. has to put their regulars in and, and no one can see how an earlier game is going. And, sure. You know, take the foot off the gas if you're starting at 3 o'clock because the 1 o'clock games are about over. And, yeah creates a little bit more tension. And here, here for those people who may have gone to sleep before the stuff ended, here's how the American League wild card looks right now. The Yankees are one up for the first wild card spot. Boston's a game behind them with the second spot. And Seattle and Toronto are both one back of Boston. Each, every team with two games left. So it's, it's, a, it's amazing right now. The Yankees hey. play in Tampa Bay. Uh, Boston's at Washington. The Angels, I'm sorry, the Mariners are hosting the Angels, and Toronto's at Baltimore. But Baltimore did, you know, did the Red Sox in a couple times earlier this week. So it's really interesting watching the American League wild card and uh, see how that's going to play out. And then again, the Astros one game better than the White Sox. The uh, Strohs are at Oakland or hosting Oakland, and the White Sox have Detroit again tonight. Both big, you know, White Sox and Houston both big, uh, large favorites today, um, but. You know, things went the, the right way yesterday, right, with yeah. Houston losing. Here's a, Clayton Kershaw leaves the game yesterday with the same forearm injury that he was out a couple months ago, and he right. basically said he's out of the postseason. So as much as, you know, 538 had the Dodgers as the heaviest-weighted uh, odds-on favorite team to win the World Series, I've, look, they've got a ton of weapons. It's not just Clayton Kershaw show for sure. But, boy, you talk about – damaging information or, or turn of events last night for the Dodgers. So yeah. anything can happen in these final two games. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what there's 162 games and it comes down for four teams. It comes down to the last two games of the year. That's what yep. that's what I love about baseball. And that's what, you know, adding that second wild card team did, because look over in the National League. I mean, with the way the Dodgers and the Giants have played. If there was only one wild card team, there would have been no interest at all. Instead, you saw a Cardinals team win what? Now they've won what? Twenty of twenty-one. Crazy. Um, yeah, they it's they won absolutely crazy. They came back and won again last night. The uh, the Cubs were winning that game, and the uh, the uh, Cardinals came back to win it four to three. 
Um, but that's going to be fun. That game is going to be on Wednesday. The American League wildcard game is going to be Tuesday. But everything could be pushed around because Monday could be a fun day with, uh, you know, tiebreakers and all other kind of things. So we'll talk about uh, the Sox. We'll talk about uh, the Bears. We'll do a lot of Bears. Yesterday, I had a chance to go on out to one of the Pride stores uh, out in, I went and saw Carmen and Yurko. They did their football, their Friday football podcast. I saw your flight of beers yes. that you tweeted out. Well, I had, I had one single one before that, before I knew they had flights. So my deal is always <laughs> two beers. So if you get a flight, you saw the it's beers three, are small. Right? Yeah, the beers are small, so it's like a flight is like four beers, oh. but they're all like three ounces or four ounces. So right. Just you put, add that taste. up. Yeah, you get a taste of some of you know a bunch of their beers, and they were really good. And I went out there, but on Thursday I was listening to Carmen and Yurko, like you always should, from ten until noon. And both Carmen and Yurko had some really interesting stuff about the Bears and play calling and um, things that the Bears did last year at the end when Bill Lazor was calling plays, not doing so much this year. And then also, Carmen talked to Yurko about, well, what if you were the OC? So we come back, we'll play that, we'll take your phone calls, talk some Bears and Lions. The Bears are getting ready. We're not sure who's getting ready. Uh, I, I think the only one out is Nick Voles, right? It's going to be uh, it's gonna uh, be that earlier in the week. Yeah. You- Everything was on the table. Right, they were all they were all available. I think so, Bob Avellini's phone number was on the table. Sure, sure, he's he he'll be ready. He'll be out there, no problem. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Hubner and Hanley here on ESPN one thousand. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN one thousand. <laughs> So we'll get into our Bears conversation in just a minute. 312-332-3776. You want to jump on in. Uh, the White Sox go into the postseason. We've known that for a long time. We'll find out in the next couple days if they're going to be here or in Houston when the series starts on Thursday. But if you want to be part of a change-the-game rally, listen up. Wadlin Sylvia will broadcast from Guaranteed Rate Field inside the Shy Sox Bar and Grill Monday afternoon. It's part of the Change the Game rally from 3 until 7. Admission is free, but you've got to get a ticket in advance. Go to whitesocks.com backslash CTG. Live music, prizes, the speed pitch machine. Come celebrate the Sox in the playoffs. That's Monday afternoon with Waddle and Sylvie at the Shy Sox Bar and Grill on ESPN 1000. The guys will be there. And, um, yeah, so Sylvie, you know, Sylvie's taking his sons. I know that Mason's becoming a big Sox fan, and it's got to it's gotta hurt Sylvie to the core. Kill but him. He's, yeah, yeah, but he's he's playing it up well. 312-332-3776. We talk some Bears and the uh, Lions. Um, one of our other poll questions, we've got two of them. And the second one is, if both Dalton and Fields are available, which quarterback would you start on Sunday? Uh, you can go to Twitter at ESPN 1000 and vote there, or you can give us a call here at ESPN 1000, 312-332-3776. And that's what John did out in Evanston. John, what's happening this morning? Hey, guys. Before we get into the Bears talk, I'm a big uh, Premier League soccer fan. I I like Chelsea a lot. <laughs> they got a game this afternoon who they're playing. They're uh... playing right now. Oh, they're okay. winning one to nothing. Okay. Early. Okay. Um. I think they're going to give Liverpool a run for their money this year. Um, as far as the Bears go, you, you got to, you know, if if you want to have any chance of winning some of these games, they're going to be real tough to begin with. 
you got, you got to go with Dalton if he's healthy because he knows the playbook. He seems to get rid of the ball relatively easily without getting in a lot of trouble back there. And he doesn't key on one receiver. He goes to whoever's open and he, he just, he doesn't hold on to the ball. And what you saw with Evans, what you saw with Fields last week, was he didn't get a chance to look for anybody because the pass rush was killing him. And you could see right away that he doesn't feel comfortable in there. He doesn't know the playbook well enough to know, you know, uh, he doesn't audible. I mean, he can't. He doesn't know the playbook well enough to audible into another play. But, John, John, isn't that isn't it on the coaches to make it easy enough for him to, to know the book, the playbook bad well, enough, you know what I mean, you know going into his is? first start? Well, you know, the simple fact is, um, it's, I think it's too early for him to start this year. Um, he is a rookie, and these defenses, they're playing so many teams this year that are playoff teams already that these, def- these veteran defenses are making it tough for him to see what's coming because they're hiding their blitz packages until the last possible second. And they're shooting everybody but the kitchen sink at this guy. And they're making him stay in the box. And they're just rattling his cage back there. I mean, even if they don't get to him, he's being circled. And it's like feeding time at the zoo. You, you, I would wait a while before I start this kid. I want him to be as... I want him to be as comfortable with this and know as much of the playbook as possible before he starts. And everybody's, if this kid's the future of, this, of the club and, and ha- gives us the best chance to win down the road, you want this kid to be as prepared as possible when he starts. And right now, it's just not the best time for him to start. John, appreciate the call as always. Um, Brian, your thoughts? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I guess the bigger question is, and it's been raised and, and tweeted about and written about, and is this is, is Andy Dalton starting more about winning a game this weekend, or is it more important to get Justin Fields out there after 47 yards and nine sacks and just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong? Is it more important to get the franchise quarterback out there and get rid of that bad taste in his mouth and make him feel confident that he can do it you know, is, is this really a win or else for Matt Nagy? And if so, he's probably like John would, you know, wishing, hoping against hope that the bruised knee is good enough to, for Andy Dalton to go because the, the bigger criticisms were that he was running the Andy Dalton offense for Justin Fields and didn't know how to adjust to two entirely different quarterbacks, right? So I don't know if you buy into that, Fred, that you want Justin Fields out there hopefully doing Justin Fields-type things and not taking nine sacks because Bill Lazor said that their offense certainly had um, options in which they, they could have given more protection and help chip and everything on the right. offensive line. Right. I mean, the fact that he said that, but, but basically said we didn't make those adjustments, I thought that was rather interesting on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. But you ask Bill Lazor a question, he'll give you a direct answer. Um, I either one of these quarterbacks should be able to beat the Lions because this offense is allowing, or this defense, uh, you talked about it, they're allowing 384 yards per game and 6.7 yards per play. So even Nick Foles should be able to go out there and do something against the Lions. But do you really believe this is more about 
big picture or small picture, uh, near term, win a game or big picture. Justin Fields needs to get out there and, and, you know, erase from the memory bank last Sunday. I understand how the fans and the media want Justin Fields, because if he is the future, you want him to get out there, play now and all that stuff. It takes a lot for an organization to say, listen, we're going to we're not going to worry about winning. We're going to worry about developing the quarterback. It's difficult to do, especially three games in. They decided right off the bat when they got fields that we're not going to play him. Right. And that's what they said, because you've got 53 man roster. You've got all the fans who I don't if you go, you know, what, let's see now two and 15. If you go, you know, three and 14 and you de- but you develop him, he'll be better in years in the future. That's fine. But the guys that are on the team now would just be, you know, it'd be awful. You, they all, everybody tries to win in the NFL every week. And I know it's it's hard for fans to come to grips with it, be, but it is about winning every week. It is about winning and trying to develop at the same time. That's why they had said that they're going to have Fields wait and learn how to play in the NFL behind Nagy. Now, I understand people say, hey, others, others have done it. The Cowboys did it with Aikman, and they, it's been done with Manning and things like that. But the Bears decided that's not the way they were going to go. And I don't know that they're going to change their mind three games into the season. So I think for them, winning, whoever gives them the best chance to beat the Lions. And I I agree with you. Either one should beat the Lions. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you could you should realistically think Justin Fields, because you've talked up about how ahead of the learning curve he is, not that he's there yet. Right. But he should be able to go out there. And certainly if you cut down the sacks, to, you know, you get sacked three times or four times, not nine times. But, you know, if you gave him better protection, called plays where he got out of the pocket, called plays to his strength, he should be able to go out there, improve appreciably over last week, and, and, and also you should win the game. If you don't win this game, you're looking at another six-game losing streak. You see, I mean, look at that. you got the Raiders and, and Waddle and Sylvie and a couple of listeners are going to go out there and hopefully see the Bears win in Las Vegas. But yeah. I, no gimmies. I mean, you got Raiders on the road. You got Packers, Tampa, and 49ers. You're back to last year where you're you're on a six game slide, and and the year prior to that, you had a four game losing streak. And how, it, how would how would Matt Nagy survive yeah. another three game losing streak, starting with the Lions? I yeah. mean, you know, make well, it a four game losing streak. You're right. Um, we'll grab another call in a second, but first, I wanted to play this. This was Carmen the other day. Carmen, of all the guys here at the station, Carmen's probably the bigger stat guy, or one of the biggest stat guys on the air. And he was talking about stats. He said he didn't want to get too much into it. But some of the numbers he had about pre-snap motion and a bunch of other things that the Bears didn't do much with Matt Nagy last year but did with Bill Lazor, I thought were very interesting. This was from Thursday on the Carmen and Yurko show on ESPN 1000. I don't want to beat a dead horse too much in, uh, with the, the whole pre-snap uh, motion statistics and the, the play-action statistics. I've talked about it a lot lately. But uh, quite frankly, there was a lot in the build-up to this season about what those numbers are starting to mean in the NFL when you look at recent data. Yerk, Warren Sharp in his preview book wrote a lot about him and his guys. He and his guys, excuse me, wrote a lot about it. I had referenced um, the article from last Friday. You were gone. Meller and I talked about it a little bit that 538 did. Uh, statistically, just kind of analyzing what a key indicator in wins and losses right now, offensively, uh, uh, pre-snap motion and, and play action, what it means to success rate and what it means to win. So I don't want to belabor it too much, but I will tell you that when you look at weeks 12 through 17 last year, York, when Bill Lazor was calling plays, 
There were increases, Yerk, and the offense did get better. They did play some horrid defenses. I will give you that. But if you look at since the start of 2019 where the Bears rank, they're nearly dead last in the league in pre-snap plays per game, Yerk. Um, they, their success rate is also not very good, and they gained just 4.89 yards per play on those plays, which ranked 27th in the league. When you look at weeks 12 through 17 last year, that number jumped up um, to the point where they were ranked 20th. They went from 20.74 plays per game to 26. And their gains were better. Their gains went all the way from 27th in the league to 12th best in the, the gains, league. The gains. Their gains and their play action really increased. Do you know when he was calling plays last year, it was 14.5 per game? The only team that ran more play action last year, weeks 12 through 17, than the Bill Lazor-led Bears offenses were Andy Reid's Chiefs, who did it 16.5 times per game compared to the Bears, uh, the Bears 14.5. So you see what I'm saying? Like, we did see more of it, and we saw gains in their offense, both in their yards per play and in their points per game. When they did use some of that stuff, that seems to be a pretty good indicator of how successful you could be offensively. Now, I was listening to one of the one of the Niner games. I think it was the Sunday night game, which, oh, my God, 30, hmm. 37 seconds, that damn Boy. Aaron Rodgers. Well, uh, everyone pointed out that Aaron Rodgers moved them down the field yeah. and had more yards in 37 seconds than the Bears had in 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah he tortures you, too, now, huh? Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, and it's not even Aaron. It's not as bad. Aaron Rodgers, it was nice that he did it for them with uh, Devontae Adams, but also the Niners defense. You know where he's going. What? Why do you not? Whatever. How do you let him get behind you? It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, they explain that when Kyle Shanahan was with, um, I want to say it was Tampa or Atlanta, wherever he was, and he was sitting in on some offensive meetings, and they were talking about how important it is. And every time somebody goes in motion, that four to five guys on the defense have to move. And he said, well, then there should always be motion on every play. And if you watch the Niners, there's guys running all over the place. There's always motion. And because of that, they're one of the more creative offenses in the league. Now, they haven't been scoring a lot lately because Tony Garoppolo, I mean, Tony, I mean, Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo has yep. similar problems to, you know, I think a little bit to what Mitch Trubisky had in the past. But he, he has not always as accurate and everything like that. But they always have openings. They have so many weapons and things like that. But. Play action is big, motion is big, and you didn't see any of that uh, last week. And it would be nice to see some of it, no matter who the quarterback is, when the Bears play Detroit tomorrow. Callers hanging there. We'll grab you when we come back. 312-332-3776. Talking Bears and Lions. Hubner and Hanley here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. So we're talking some Bears and Lions here at ESPN 1000. You want to jump in? 312-332-3776. I'm doing Bears postgame tomorrow, but it's going to be a little bit different because the Bears start at noon. The White Sox start at 2. So whenever the White Sox are done, we'll do like a Bears slash White Sox season ending talk, probably like 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock tomorrow. So after you get either aggravated or really happy about the Bears game, you can relax, have dinner, and then give me a call later from six to eight here on ESPN One Thousand tomorrow night. And I would think I'm thinking, Brian, that you know probably seventy five percent chance the Bears fans are going to be happy tomorrow. 
But then a lot of them will say, yeah, but it's a win. It's only Detroit. Let's see what happens against the Raiders. So, Well, I saw smarter people than I uh, put together you know, the math part of this. Yeah. They have a 56% win probability going into this game and a 53% chance to cover the three. Um, you'd like a little higher win probability against <laughs> yes, you would. the Detroit team yeah. that seems to allow almost seven yards per play. Uh-huh. Yeah, you definitely would. Our guy, Bear fan Bob, out on the roads as always. Bob, what's going on? Hey, good morning, guys. I hope you enjoy the weekend, even though it's going to rain. Yep. Anyways, uh, I, I, you know, I, I like your your question, your Twitter poll question. Unfortunately, Fields should start. You don't put a rookie quarterback out there, you know, throw him out to the Lions last week and then bench him this week. You get him out there and you try and build some confidence with this kid. You know, we've already seen the Bears do that with Mitchell Trubisky. We don't need to see a repeat. Anyways, leading into what I was saying. Since we have a legend in his own mind of a head coach, Coach Nagy, if he doesn't pull his head out of his rectum this weekend and get some tight end help over there with our 99-year-old left tackle, Brockers is going to be in there, and I don't care who the quarterback is because it's going to get over, and it's going to get over real quick. You know, I'm sure Detroit's going to be watching film on how fast those guys got in there and, and took out fields, and they're going to do the same thing. You know, you've got to have a two- or a three-tight end set to help this kid and put him in some max protect. I also look for the defense to do real well. I think Coach Desi has done a real good job with Quinn and the other guys. I look actually for a pick six out of this this game. You know, uh, I don't know how Eddie Goldman's going to do. I hope he doesn't get injured. Never mind. And uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to go to the game. I hope we don't lose it. You know, this is kind of a pick 'em game in my mind. But let's hope for a win, and we'll hope for the best. Guys, have a great day, and thank you. Sounds good, Bob. We appreciate it. Um, you know, and it's Sean Desai, but that's that's okay, just so he makes sure. And I don't think he was uh, having fun with it. I think he just misspoke. Um, but you look at it, and earlier this week they were talking about how bad it was. And I think that they used the Bears had, like, Two or three times in the whole, the 30 dropbacks where they use max protect mm-hmm. and two or three times when they did um, play action. And it was just when you look at the numbers, it's like it, you're not doing anything to help the kid. And when you can't just put your, you know, your old man and Jason Peters on one side and uh, a Fetty on the other and expect them to go man to man against you know, uh, Clowney and also Miles Garrett, who had four and a half sacks. I mean, it was ridiculous. They never chipped. They never helped. They never put a tight end nope. over there. They did none of that stuff. And um, it just didn't make any sense why you do that. And I know that people said this. No coach in the NFL, no coach in any level, unless you're really petty and you're playing at uh, a kid's level and your kid's not the quarterback, is going to set a quarterback up to fail. Now, Matt Nagy didn't do that. On purpose, he may have done it because he's just bad, okay? But nobody sets a quarterback up to fail, and I heard that earlier in the yeah, week. I know, I saw that. People, you know, it, it's like, it's as, as if he wanted him to fail and prove to everyone that Dalton was the right choice yeah. all along. I don't buy that for a second, no, but again, it goes, it's either stubbornness or ignorance. Which one is it? I mean, right. that, that you, have a, you have one game plan, and through all these months from the day you drafted Justin Fields, you know this, the backup quarterback always plays, whether he's the, the franchise quarterback of the future or just a backup quarterback. Right. They play. Yeah. So you should have, at the minimum, 
a, a skeleton type uh, game plan for when that quarterback goes in there, if he's, you know, different from entirely different from the guy who's starting. And that's where the indictment comes in. It's like Nagy just has his scheme and someone's got to fit the scheme, whether it's Dalton or right. Fields. And if they don't, he doesn't change the scheme. Yeah. There were two things. I, I usually love what Dan Orlovsky says. Okay. Dan Orlovsky on ESPN the other day came out and he he said, listen, the Bears organization, Matt Nagy, had 149 days to come up with a game plan for when Justin Fields was in. And if that was the game plan they came up with, then, you know, it, it was so bad. It was brutal. Okay. And he said he should be fired. Okay, that was one thing. But the other thing he said, which I thought was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Over the top. He said if Justin Fields doesn't get in, then he should ask to be traded. That's just the silliest thing. One of the silliest things I've heard in a long time in sports. And that takes in a lot. It, 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 it does such a disservice to, to who Justin Fields seems to be, right? Right, right. He's not that guy. No. He, he's not a me guy. And you haven't done anything. You've done less than zero right now, given what happened last week and you're going to go in and pound the table to ryan pace or mccaskey and say i'm out of here get rid of first of all the league doesn't operate that way it's not the nba no it's not thank god yeah that 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 i mean dan was on on the right track till he jumped the the shark there with that that last you know statement or tweet yeah there's no doubt i like i said i loved everything he said and then he said that it's just that was that was the dumbest thing i said and i i try to be nice i never swear on twitter or facebook or any of the social media things I try to even swear on my podcast when I do my podcast. I try not to. Sometimes sometimes it's difficult. Let's go to Beverly and Bob. Bob, what's going on today? How you doing there, Freddie Hoobner? Good morning there, sir. What's up? All right, look, I just want to say this. I'm going to make it short and sweet. Ryan Pacey's a dumb tool bag. Matt Nagy is a charlatan and a con man. These guys don't know how to pick a quarterback. Is it possible that they picked the wrong quarterback because Justin Fields wasn't looking that impressive? And I feel like if this kid was such highly touted, he should have been able to do a little bit more than what he did what we see there on Sunday. Now, I'm scared that these guys are going to sit there and go back to this Andy Darden kid, and now we got to sit here and look at this soft-bellied Andy Darden, and when he get hurt out there, then we're going to have to go back to this Justin Fields kid, and the kid is obviously not ready. Now, Nagy don't know what he's doing. Ryan Pace doesn't know what he's doing. Is it possible that they just picked the wrong quarterback and we're just starting all over again? These guys don't know what it is to be a Chicago Bear. Bob, I appreciate the call. It could always be. But I think there were many, many people. And, Brian, I, I, I don't think I'm wrong here. There were many people that thought that Justin Fields was as good, if not better, than Trevor Lawrence when the draft came up. Look, if if that's the case, if they pick the wrong quarterback, one, it's way too soon to tell. Right. Uh, I'm not. I agree with Bob that um, that he could have probably done some more things than he did. I mean, that it wasn't entirely oh, the game plan or no, the offensive line. No, he did some bad stuff. He held right. onto the ball too right. long, and he did some other things. But yeah, it but just... it, but that if that's the conversation, then yeah, then we're really in deep, and there's there's no turning back because. When you miss on Mitch Trubisky, it sets back the organization four or five years. And if you double down on that and get the wrong guy again, uh, with you know moving up to get Justin Fields, you'll you'll be three years into Arlington Heights before you recover from this one. And whoever the GM and coach at that time, hopefully gets it right. But hopefully they got it right. But I agree with them. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I've got zero confidence in either one of them, and that's been the case for a couple of years now. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and I'm so tired of the whole, the whole we got to get the tight end of the ball, we got to get the tight end of the ball. Just you, do it. Yeah, 
you, you here, I want to play this real quick. This is Yurko on Thursday after Carmen was talking about all the stats, the pre-snap motion and all the other things. Um, Yurko said, listen, football's not that difficult. First thing I do, give you an idea. If you're the OC right I'm now. I'm the offensive coordinator. First thing I do is make Jesse James my starting tight end. First thing. Is that his name, Jesse James? Yes, correct. I make him my starting tight end, right? Okay. Then I come out, and because they believe he's the blocking tight end, I go and I pass on first and second down with him in there. I'm telling you, you're already third, better than and Matt Nagy. Third, <laughs> and third, that's when I run, depending upon down and distance. But just to establish that I'm already breaking something that you thought was happening. Right. Okay, I, I, we can't count on when he's in here, they're going to run all the time. Just a simple concept, just to see yeah. it, nothing complicated right there. Yeah. That's simple. If Cole Komet can't get off of anybody, all right, then I take Jesse James, right? Yeah. You play him at the wing. Okay. You take him and you put him outside to see what they're going to do and how they adjust. Even if you play Cole Komet. Even if you play 12 personnel in this put, scenario, put, you got two on the field. Put him outside the receiver and see what happens. I'm telling when you. When you put him outside the receiver, then he, they, you dictate or you're asking them, what are you guys going to do? Do you take the backer and do you move him over him? Then they're playing man. Right? <laughs> yeah. Then Listen. they're playing man. If they put him out there and they just bump their coverage and play him with a corner, they're playing, playing zone. zone. That tells Fields what he needs this to know. This is what I got to do. This, this, this is what we're doing. Tells your receivers what they need to know. I'm telling you, I would love to drop Yurko in just for the week. I think he'd call a better game than Matt Nagy. Well, I'd and have I'm, to I'm learn 100% serious. I'm, I'm, Texas, really, like, I'm a big fan of the Texas I route. really think you'd call a better game. Like, you're already making more sense than he makes. Well, these like, are simple I, concepts. I, I, that's what it's, These are not complicated. That's what's so scary. <laughs> And I, I agree with Carmen. That's what's so scary. Yeah. Every, you listen to Yurko, and he lays it out like, well, hold it. That sounds so simple. It's not that difficult. Matt Nagy's trying to make it that difficult. Well, I tweeted out during the game, how's that Cole Komet pick yeah. working out for everyone? And it wasn't, I wasn't slamming Cole Komet per not se. Not at all. No. It, it's, if, if you're going to draft him in the second round, how many years is it going to take till you actually figure out how to best utilize him? And, and Yurk just gave it to you in 30 seconds. Yeah. I know. It's real simple. Real, real simple. That's I actually enjoyed Greg Olson on the uh, color commentary yeah. last week because he was bringing things up, and he talked about how they didn't ship, and he talked about how they haven't done this, and he talked about how they weren't using the tight ends. And, you know, a tight end going down the middle of the field in the seam route. Ooh, how nice is that? Oh, Austin Hooper caught a touchdown pass. What happened? That's That happened against the Bears. You would think that one of the Bears' tight ends could do that. That's what a Jimmy Graham is supposed to be for. Oh. And speaking of Jimmy, I know we got to get to break, but yeah. I mean, yeah, the Matt Nagy has never lost the locker room, but there are a few uh, cracks in the wall yeah. this week. Yeah, there certainly were. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the Bears and Lions. We'll get to some White Sox stuff. Don't forget, it is Chicago's College Tailgate coming up at 11. As always, another big weekend of college football. Well, they'll be talking about it. Black and Abdallah right here on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Brian, we talk a lot about the word salad from Matt Nagy as he doesn't really say a whole lot of anything, but he takes a long time to to do that um, and not say anything. But I've got some quotes here from Mark Paddish's column on Friday. Uh, the one that says, O-line needs to swerve and protect. Um, it says here, <laughs> it says here, uh, cards James Daniel, Cody Whitehair, uh, Senator Sam Mustafer didn't fare much better than uh, Jermaine Effetti and Jason Peters. Um, the entire line was overwhelmed. Then Juan Castillo, 
who we've been told, and I know that Yurko is one of the things that irks him the most. He brings it up a lot. He said, well, when they asked about how has the offensive line improved last year, they said, well, we've got Juan Castillo. Right. So anyway, Castillo said fundamentals, just being consistent with our technique, that's the thing we can correct and work on. I'm sorry. These guys are professionals in the National Football League. If they can't get the damn fundamentals down, we're in a lot more trouble than than just, you know, having one bad game against those guys. No, I mean, but it falls on Ryan Pace. When, you know, Jason yeah. Peters, God bless him. Yep. He's 39. He looked every bit of it last week. Oh, he again, sure did. You, did. you didn't help him out. And no. he, here's a guy who was out fishing when the phone rang, okay? Yep. yep. And But he's he's available and they're paying him. And he said, sure, I'll give it another go. Um, this this roster on with the Phantom GM, you're not going to hear from him till at the end of the season if he's still around. But he he puts this together, hands it to the coaching staff, says good luck. Um, you know, Jimmy Graham tweeted out, retweeted the uh, stat: Bears average 1.1 yards per play versus the Browns, second right. fewest by any team in in a game in in this century. Immediately after the game, yes, and also uh, Nick Foles who. His name was brought up. Matt Nagy even said, well, everything's on the table. Nick Foles might start. He was caught on the sideline. You could read his lips. This offense isn't working. So you got two guys really, and one guy, Nick Foles, not being used at all. Jimmy Graham, why is he here if you're not going to use him? At least he he made his money in the red zone last year, right? Right. Yes, he did. And, and he, you know, Nagy was asked about it. He said, well, that's frustration. Everyone's frustrated after a loss like that. Those two, you know, uh, certainly, Jimmy Graham is the leader in that locker room for the offense. I don't know what standing Nick Foles has at this point, but when you have guys who've been around the game for a long time, one just giving you an observation the offense doesn't work, and everyone could see that, and the other guy reiterating and and cementing the fact that this is woeful for the century, you're, you're starting to, it's starting to slip uh, the old hold on the personnel in the locker room, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. And I'm looking at their receiving stats through three weeks. Okay. Through three weeks, Jimmy Graham has one catch for 11 yards. Yep. And um, Cole Komet has seven for 53 yards. Allen Robinson, the guy that wanted more money and then he settled for the franchise tag, three games again, 10 catches, 86 yards. Yep. He's not going to get paid with those numbers. No. No, not at all. And and so I, you can understand, you know, frustration from everybody on the offensive side. One other thing that Bill Lazor said, again, from Mark Potash's column yesterday, he says, it's hard to have that many pass protection issues and not honestly say it was shared. Scheme, throwing the ball on time, technique, do we have more answers and different things we could do? And, you know, obviously the answer is yes, you can. Um and hopefully they can do that. He says, the players have to look in the mirror. Okay, this is what I saw on film, so be ready. And then as an offense, we have to make sure, okay, this is what they're going to see, so we better solve it. And, you know, when you saw, when you looked at the Cleveland Browns going into last week's game, you Clowney was on one side, Miles Garrett was on the other. It didn't take a genius to say, going into that game, we've got to try and find a way to slow him down. Correct. And it doesn't look like anything was done because my, I mean, Miles Garrett was it. It really looked like he was, you know, a man playing, you know, peewee football. He was just coming in whenever he wanted to. And Peters kept taking the guy inside. And I couldn't quite figure out why he was not blocking the guy that's got, you know, uh, a lot of sacks and is known for getting around the end. Well, and look, and Bill Lazor said that the offense has adjustments built into it. Right. And basically said we didn't adjust. Yeah. 
I mean, it was kind of an indictment of, of Matt Nagy. Again, Parham went through all the numbers, and the eye test told you they were a better offense last year when Bill Glazer took over the, the play calling. And Frank Thomas had to sit down with Matt Nagy, and so I, I benched myself because it wasn't working. Uh, but he immediately took it back starting the season. I guarantee you, I, I'll be shocked if Bill Glazer isn't calling the plays tomorrow. And, and it probably was a Matt Nagy suggestion at the beginning of the week. Yeah. And um, the thing about not firing a coach in the middle of the year, I can't imagine that the McCaskies, after giving the vote of confidence to both of these guys, would do anything during the course of the year. They've never done it before. I can't imagine them doing it now. Um, so it's kind of pointless. I brought this up on Monday. It's kind of pointless to sit there and be as frustrated as you are yelling for the firing of Matt Nagy. I mean, you may want it, but you got to look at their past history. Unless you, unless you think he's going to do damage to Justin Fields and and guys like Mike North and and passionately believe that he damaged Mitch Trubisky, that Trubisky be a better quarterback today. Yeah, had Matt Nagy not been the guy molding him uh, in the first three four years of his of his uh, career. So uh, that's the only thing. I I don't think Matt Nagy is going to become. You know, Jim Boylan, the former Bulls coach, the yeah. first week of being hired, mentioned Pop's name, Greg Popovich's name, like way too often. I yeah. I texted Casey Johnson, say, hey, limit up on, on Pop references. Tell him, you know, stop. He's not Pop. He's on his staff. Sure. This guy ain't Andy Reid. Okay? No, he's not. No, he's not. And I guarantee you, if he got fired Monday because they lost the Lions, I don't think Andy Reid wants him landing back in Kansas City either. No. Not the way he called plays on the six games that they gave him the opportunity to. 312-332-3776. We'll continue some Bears conversation. we got to get into some White Sox stuff. We're here till 11 o'clock before Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000.